Let me start with our scripture reading. This is, uh, we're actually going to be in the book of Psalms today. Uh, This is going to be out of Psalm 119, and it'll be up on the screen. Let me read this to you. The psalmist writes, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. All right, let's pray again just real quick. God, we thank you for your word and your voice. And so, Lord, we ask that you would just speak to us today. God, help us hear you, open up our ears to hear, and God, to um, also change our hearts. God, would you speak to us about loving you and loving your word today? Lord, that we would be people who would consume the Bible in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, start by asking you this, just to think about it. Whether this was maybe in your childhood, or maybe this is as you're an adult now, or wherever you are in between, but think about a time in your life. Has there ever been just an item or an object in your life that you just loved? Just a personal item or an object or possession you had that you just loved for whatever reason. I'm not talking about like a person or an animal. That's different. Like just like an object that you were just like, I love this thing. You know, like for example, um, you know, maybe like your grandfather gave you your first golf club. And it just means the world to you. You just love it. And you're just like, oh, this is so important. And you have such passion for it. Or your mom gave you some family heirloom, you know, something like that. Maybe you bought your first car and it just was like, you love that thing. Um, for me, I had one when I was little. Um, when I was little, I had a toy lightsaber and I loved that thing. And it was awesome. I mean, I like, you think I'm kidding. I had so much love and passion for this lightsaber because I was really into Star Wars and Star Wars is awesome and I wanted to be a Jedi Knight and I would have been an awesome Jedi by the way I just I know that in my heart about myself but I loved this sword now here's kind of the sad part about it it wasn't even actually like a toy lightsaber it was just this like white plastic sword I had but I just had that's all I had so I had to kind of just you know, in my heart and my imagination, say it was a lightsaber. And I took this thing, like, everywhere my parents would let me. Um, You know, how your kids, like, sometimes you're like, okay, you got to leave your blanket at home. You got, like, you got to leave your teddy bear at home. Like, I, my parents were like, hey, you can't take your lightsaber to church. You can't take it to school. Uh, That was probably good. I probably would have gotten, you know, beaten up if I had taken it to school. But the other thing about it was um, the way I carried it, I kind of pulled a He-Man. I would keep it down the back of my shirt, and so I could pull it out whenever I... So it was like, it was kind of a Jedi slash He-Man thing. It was awesome, and I loved this thing, and I couldn't tell you why. I mean, it was just, it was a plastic sword, but I loved it. But there's something in us where, from time to time, we can love an object, and that's nothing necessarily wrong with that. God's made us that way, and that we can love an item or an object, that there's something in us that God has put there that we do that from time to time. As long as it's not an idol, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But we can love, just, it's kind of crazy to think about it, like we can just love and have passion and affection for an object or an item at times in our lives. Now today we are wrapping up our summer sermon series, Summer of Love, and this whole summer what we've been talking about has been the subject of love 
the love of God and loving God's kingdom. And we've talked about different sermons, you know, from talking about how we can love God or how he loves us or how we love God through serving and different things. And what we're going to look at today is we're going to talk about um, loving an object and an item, specifically the Bible, that we want to be people who love, 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 love God's word and how we can be those kind of people and grow in that. That's what we want to look at today. So I brought my Bible just for a quick little visual. This is my Bible. Um, sadly, it was, I had to find it. It was in the trunk of my car. It's kind of embarrassing, but that's where it was. Um, but this is my Bible, and I've had it for a long time, and it's pretty good. Um, I really like it. I say pretty good. It's pretty great. Um, it's the Bible, you know. It's kind of like in Sunday school. If you never know what the answer is, saying Jesus is not a bad guess. You know, like, you know, who, who built the ark? Jesus. Well, not really, but that's a good guess. It's kind of like, just to say your Bible is great is always a safe bet. But that's my Bible, and if you're here, most of you, I would assume you have a Bible, whether you actually have like book form or it's on your phone or your computer, whatever you might form you might have, you've probably got a Bible. And by the way, if you're here, I'm serious when I say this, if you don't have a Bible, please come tell me and I will put one in your hands this week because you need one, all right? I would love to get you one. But most of you have a Bible. Now, for us as Jesus followers, as disciples of Christ, being people of the Bible is really important. We know that the Bible is an important book. I mean, if you had to make a list of what are probably the top five or six things you need in your life to be a growing Christian, you know, I would say things like, in no particular order, intimacy with Jesus, prayer, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, worship, things like that. I mean, the Bible is near the top of the list. It is really important for us as Christians to be people of this book. And if you and I want to be people who are growing in our relationship with God, who are becoming more like him and being used by him, we need to be people of the Bible. And really what we need to be is we need to be people who consume this book. You know, we need to be people who love this book and consume it. John Wesley, he was the guy who started the United Methodist Church back in the 1700s. And John Wesley was this incredible preacher and revivalist. And the cool thing about John Wesley was he was really into literature he read an unbelievable amount, and he wrote an unbelievable amount. You know, for example, you can go, like John Wesley kept these really detailed journals of his day-to-day -day life, and you can go and read them, and you can see what he did on like April 5th, 1745, and he's got all these journal entries and different days. He was a brilliant theologian, and he um, was a brilliant scholar. He wrote a lot, but the cool thing about Wesley was he was known as a man of one book. Despite all that he had read, despite all that he had written himself. You know, Wesley once said that every person should spend five hours a day reading. I don't know what universe he was living in to think that anybody, but that's what he thought, you know. He just was so literaturized, if I can say that. But he was known as a man of one book. And we want to be people known as followers of Jesus to be people of one book. We want to be people of the word. And we want to be people who consume this book, that you in your life, you would be a man and woman of God's word, that you would love this book and you would consume it. And we want to understand how we can become people who really love God's word. So the scripture we read in Psalm 119, it's really fascinating passage of scripture to me because we read about 
What we read is somebody's personal writing about how much they love the Bible. Now, we don't know who wrote Psalm 119. Some people think it was Ezra, but we don't know. So we have kind of this anonymous author. But they wrote this psalm, and the entire psalm is all about how much this one person loves God's Word. That's what it's about. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible, and the whole theme is just about how great God's Word is and how much this one person loves it. I would encourage you on your own time, maybe today or sometime this week, read Psalm 119. It'll probably take you 10, 15 minutes. It's kind of long, but it's really fascinating to see this one person's love and passion for God's Word. You know, even in the scripture that we read, we just read seven verses. It's 150 verses long. And it's all about loving God's word. And what we read, you know, the first line was, how I love your law. And the last line of scripture we read, it said, you know, how sweet your word is to me. And it's kind of funny to me because I read the scripture and I'm like, wow, this person just loves the Bible. They love scripture. I mean, it's almost a little bit like, okay, dude, we get it. Just back up, back off a little. Like, what, you know, but this is just how they felt. It's pretty incredible to me. And what we want to see here is the fact that Psalm 119 shows us how we are supposed to feel about the Bible. It sets the bar and the standard of the passion and the love that God wants you and I to have for his word. That this is how God wants us to feel, and this is how we should strive to feel about God's word, that we would love it, that we would be people who are consumed by it and who consume it, that we are in this book and learning it and studying it and growing in God through his word. And that's what we want to pick up from Psalm 119. This is how we're supposed to feel about God's word. Now, I have to admit to you, when I read Psalm 119, and I see how much this author loves the book, I'll just be honest with you guys. I, I don't know that I can say I totally feel the same way about God's word as this particular author. That's not to say I don't love God's word. I do. But I certainly don't always feel the way this particular author does. I know the Bible's important. I know it's vital, and I love it. I mean, God has met me in his word and spoken to me and done great things, but I'm not, I, I don't think I can say all the time how I just love the Bible. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't know if you're in the same place. But I think for a lot of us, I don't know that we could say honestly that, yeah, just like this psalmist said, gosh, I love God's word just like this person does, you know? So let me just ask you to think about in your own heart, just be honest, like, how do you feel about the Bible? Just be honest with yourself. How, does you, how do you feel? What do you think about it? Would you say, oh, man, I love the Bible? Maybe you do. Maybe you're like, ah, it's pretty good. I like it, but I don't know if I'd say I love it. It might be for some of you, you're like, oh, man, I don't like reading the Bible. That's okay if that's how you, I mean, just be honest if that's how you feel. You know, we're kind of all over the place. We're all going to be in different spots. Like, how do you honestly feel? Do you like reading it? Do you get anything out of it? Are you like, man, I love Jesus, but boy, I do not like reading the Bible? Just where are you? Just to be honest with yourself. Let me ask you this. Again, just answer to yourself. When was the last time you read your Bible? Might have been today. Maybe did yesterday. Was it maybe last week? Mm, last month? Last year? Maybe you don't even know where your Bible is. Mine was in the trunk of my car. I mean, I, I feel you. you know, I'm not judging you. But just to be honest, like, how do you feel? How much do you engage with this book? Look, I'll tell you all this. 
like I said, I love the Bible, but I don't know that I love it to the degree that the psalmist of 119 does. I'll tell you this, and I'm a pastor. There are parts of the Bible that I think are really boring. Have you ever read Leviticus? It's not that exciting. Have you ever read 1 Chronicles chapters 1 through 9? Oh my gosh. It's just a list of names. and You're like, this is the most boring family tree ever. I mean, it's, it's tough. There are parts of the Bible that are really confusing. Anybody try, can anybody explain Revelation to me? Have you ever read Ezekiel? Oh my gosh. I'm glad I was not Ezekiel, whether I wrote the book or lived his life. My point is, I'm just being honest, like, we're called to love God's word, and I'm just being real. It's like, there are parts of it that are really boring. There are parts that are confusing. Now, there are parts that are great. The Gospels are fun. Paul's letters, you know. But we're just being real here. Wherever you fall on this spectrum, of, you might be able to honestly say, I love God's word, and I consume it. If that's you, that's awesome. But I think for a lot of us, we may not be able to quite say that. Whether you love it, maybe you like it, maybe you don't like it at all, or you just don't ever read it. The good news is we want to be people who love this book, and the really great news is we can be people who love this book. We just need to know how. We need to know how to love this book because we can, because the important thing to remember, anything God calls us to, he also gives us the grace to do it. It's not just, well, we're supposed to love the Bible, but we can't do it. God wants us to, and because he has called us to, there is grace and the ability to. We just need to know how to do it. And so here's the thing. The key to understanding of how to love the Bible comes from Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew 6, Jesus gives us a really important spiritual principle, and if we can understand this, we really can become people who grow in our love for Scripture and become people who love it. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'll say that again. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what Jesus is saying is that which you and I treasure, we will ultimately love. What you and I treasure, we will end up loving that thing. And when he says treasure, what he means is when, if there's something that you and I place importance on and then we invest in that thing, our heart will grow to love it. And this is such an important principle in the kingdom of God. What we treasure, we will grow to love. And so as we deem something important and place importance on it and we invest our time and our energy into it, we will grow to love that thing just give you a couple of examples just to kind of understand this principle. One, I'll use the example of marriage. When you get married, you are choosing this person, and they're choosing you, and you're saying no to every other human being, that you're going to love this person, and they're the most important person in the world to you, and that you invest in that relationship, and you give, and you serve. And what you're doing, you that you're treasuring them, because what that allows you to do is that helps you grow in love for that person. Okay? Another example would be like eating healthy and working out. None of us like to do that initially, but if you give yourself to it, your body changes and you actually begin to enjoy it, and it's actually become something you can do because when you treasure something, you will grow to love it. See, we think the opposite. We think, well, if I'll love something first, that'll help me treasure it, but Jesus is like, no, that's not how it works. 
You've got to treasure it first to love it. And so if we want to be people who love God's word, we first have to know how to treasure it. And as we treasure it correctly, we will grow in love for it, and we will be people who will become passionate about God's word and be people who consume it. When I was growing up, I hated to read. I just, I, I couldn't stand reading. It was like the least thing I ever wanted to do as a kid. Um, whether it was summer reading, whether it was reading for school, reading for fun was the most ridiculous phrase I'd ever heard in my life. But I come from a family of readers. Like my parents were readers, my sister was. That's probably why they're so much smarter than me now. But I just hated to read. And I just would do it as little as possible. But then one day, when I was kind of in my late 20s, I was home one day. I was like probably 28, 29 years old. And I'm at home one day, and I had nothing to do. And I had like this library of books my family had given me over the years. Like they always gave me books for presents, like hoping I'd become a reader. You know, and so it was like every Christmas, I was like, I'm going to get books. I'm not going to read, you know. So, but then one day, I was like, all right, I got nothing to do. So I picked up this one book my dad had given me. It was a spy novel, and I was like, you know, nothing good on TV. Might as well give this a shot. So I started reading it. It was a pretty good story. Got kind of into it. So I actually ended up reading the whole book over a couple of days. I was like, ah, okay. And I was like, hey, for some reason, that was actually not as terrible as it used to be. And so I just kind of started to read a little bit more and more just in my spare time. And what I was doing, I didn't know this, but I was actually treasuring reading. And all of a sudden, like kind of a few weeks, probably a couple months later, I realized how much I enjoyed reading now for fun, whereas before I had hated it. And I just give that as an example. It was like I just began to treasure reading, and all of a sudden my heart just changed to where I love it now. And to be totally honest, it's kind of my only hobby now. I have a very boring life. You know, I don't do anything fun like skydiving or hunting or whatever. You know, I just like to read. You know, if you were like, hey, Haynes, let's go to Starbucks and read, I'd be like, on it. Let's go. That'd be great. But I just want you to see when we treasure something, our heart will catch up and we'll begin to love that thing. And we got to be people who treasure God's word. And when we do, we will grow to love it as he calls us to in Psalm 119. So the question is, how do we treasure God's word? What do we need to do? Like, how do we actually do that? I would say there's four things we want to do to treasure God's word. Number one, we need to really understand what this book is. That's the first thing. We need to really understand and be aware of what this book is. Guys, your Bible, the Bible, this is actually God's word. It's not like any other book. This is God's perfect, infallible, holy word written by the Holy Spirit through people given to us. This is God's word. I mean, that's incredible. Every single one of these pages, this is God's word to you and me and to humanity. And we got to approach it that way with hunger and humility. This is really God's word. And in this book, this tells us who God is. It tells us what he's like his character, his actions, his deeds. All right, it tells us his plan of salvation and his plan of redemption. It talks about what he wants out of your life and mine, his mission in the earth. I mean, it's incredible. That's what this book is. And we need to always keep that at the forefront of our minds that this is actually God's word. This is the word of God. It's incredible. It's full of the promises of God. I mean, if you will get into this book and love it, you will never get tired of being in it. 
and you will never get tired of reading it. It's incredible the truth contained in it and what this book is. And so the first thing for us to treasure God's word is we need to actually really understand what this book is. The second thing is, each of us, we need to realize our need for this book in our lives. We just all need to say, you know, I really need a Bible in my life. Look, Christianity is an open book test. Living for God is an open book test. We just got to open this book. Who God is, what he wants you to do, what he wants me to do, it's not a secret. He's written it all down. But we need to realize how badly we need this book in our lives. You and I can't live the Christian life without God's word permeating through every part of who we are. We need this book. You need and I need this book as much as we need our next breath. And we want to be people who realize our need for this book. That's the second thing we need to do. Thirdly, we have to engage with God's word. We have to engage with it. And I mean, we just have got to be people who consume it. Whether it's by reading it, studying it, memorizing scripture, meditating on it, we need to be people who consume this book. Every day, we need to be in the Bible. We need to be people of the Word. You know, if you read the Old Testament, it's very interesting. God continually told people in the Old Testament, He was like, always be reading this. Day and night be in this book. And it's the same message for us, that we need to be people who consume this book, that we engage with this book regularly. That we, like again, study, read it, memorize it, meditate on it. We've got to be in this book and engage with it. And the last thing I would say is to treasure God's word. You have to apply God's word to your life. You just got to do what it says. If you read it and don't do what it says, you're wasting your time. James 1.22, he writes, Do not merely listen to the word so as to deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And we need to apply this book to our lives. And we need to orient and organize all that we are and all that we have and all that we do towards what God says through this book. Jesus says at the end of the Beatitudes, and he says, build your house and your life on his word. And so we, if we want to treasure it, we need to read this book and engage with it, but we need to actually do what it says. We've got to apply it to our lives. But those are the four things that if we'll do them, we really will begin to treasure God's word. Again, first, we've got to recognize what this book is. It is really God's word. And we approach it with hunger and humility. You know, the second thing, we have to confess our need for this book in our lives. Thirdly, we engage with it. And lastly, we apply it to our lives. And if we'll do these four things regularly and consistently, that's how you treasure it. And when you treasure it, you will grow to love it more and more. And you will never tire of it. And you will be amazed at how your life changes, how God speaks to you, how you feel his presence. I'll tell you this too. I'm serious when I say this. Because, you know, I talk to people as a pastor, and I just think about, you know, and people tell you kind of their mistakes or different choices they had made. And I just think about, do you know how much better your life would be if you did what this book said? I'm serious. You know, I, taught, I used to work at um, Papa John's, I've told you all that, and I worked with a lot of non-Christians, and, you know, I would try to love them and show them Jesus, but I would just hear about the problems in their lives and just all the mistakes they made, and I just used to think, man, if you 
read the Bible and did what it said, your life would be so much better. Would it be perfect? No. But I promise you, you know what God wants you to do and you do it, life is a lot better. Because God knows everything and he's told you what to do and we just got to listen. Um, so let me give you an example. I want to give you an example of a principle of treasuring leading to loving um, from Michelle and I's marriage. So um, Michelle and I have the complete opposite taste, almost completely, not probably like 98%, the complete opposite taste in TV shows and movies. Like, I mean, just polar opposites. You know, I like shows like 24, uh, The West Wing. I like sci-fi movies. I like Lifetime movies where there's a stalker, you know, Harry Potter, stuff like that. And she likes uh, Hallmark movies, which are all about single parents finding love, I've discovered. Um, and so... She likes, there's a show called When Calls the Heart. Is that, am I getting that right? Yeah. <laughs> it's one, this is a true, true conversation. One time, I was like, what do you want to watch on TV? She's like, what's on? I was like, I go, well, Predator's on TV. And she goes, When Calls the Heart's on. I was like, I don't even know what that is. But I was like, we didn't watch Predator, I'll tell you that. But... <laughs> We, just, we have, like, the total opposite taste in movies and TV shows. But, um, oh, yeah, this is another, this, this conversation happened a couple weeks ago. We somehow were talking about great 80s movies, and um, she was like, yeah, Steel Magnolias is such a great movie. I was like, sure. Yeah, I'd never seen it. And she was like, you haven't seen Steel Magnolias? That's a great 80s movie. And I just looked at her and I go, well, have you seen Red Dawn? Because that's a great 80s movie. <laughs> She was like, no, and I was like, there you go. You know, there are a lot of great 80s movies. Anyway, that's just kind of how our TV and movie taste are the opposite. But marriage is about sacrifice, compromise, and so we both had to give a little. So um, this first year of marriage, I've watched a lot of Fixer Upper, and uh, I've learned by watching that show. I'm like, one, pretty much all they do is paint the inside of the house white, knock down a wall, put up shiplap. That's all they really do. I'm like, it's a pretty easy business. But I didn't like it at first, but we watched it, and we've watched it a lot. And I have to say, I've actually grown to like the show. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's actually a pretty good show, because I think Chip is pretty funny. And so, but my heart changed. I treasured it because she loved it, and just over time, my heart changed. And so, when you treasure something, you will grow to love it. And to give her credit, uh, she's done the same thing, and so um, I'm a big Harry Potter fan, and she is not, and so uh, I was like, oh, come on, let's watch Harry Potter, you know, she's like, I don't like it, but she has watched them with me, and we've been watching them, um, and at the end of the fourth movie, this is what she said, and I quote, I am mildly intrigued by this story, and I said, you're on your way, that's it, that's all I needed. <laughs> I said, you are going to come to love Harry Potter. She's like, I don't think so. I'm like, yeah, I said, you don't realize there is a chink in the armor. You're on your way. Um, but the point is, like, when you treasure something, you really will begin to love it. And if we will treasure God's word, you really will grow in your love for it. And here's the thing. We need to be people who treasure God's word. Because we need to become people like the psalmist in Psalm 119. And if we'll treasure it, We'll grow in our love for it. And we will be able to say, 
like the psalmist in Psalm 119, we love your word. And like John Wesley, we'll be people who can say we are people of one book. Amen? All right. Let me wrap up. Let me just ask you all just to think about this as you take this message home with you. For you and your own life, what steps do you need to take today and this week to really begin to treasure God's word better? What's the step or what are the steps you need to take? You know, do you, really, do you first need to really recognize, yeah, this is God's word. I need to approach it more with hunger and humility. Maybe for you it's like I need to really recognize my need for this book and to begin to operate from that place. You know, it might be for you. Maybe you just need to engage with it more. Or maybe the step for you is you need to apply it better to your life. But whatever that step or steps are for you, do those this week. And not just this week, but every day and every week going forward. And you will grow to love God's word. All right, let's pray.